Okay, y'all, we are continuing this series, Who Do You Say That I Am? You remember, we've, we've been in this all of Lent, uh, talking about this, this question that, that Jesus asks the disciples. He says, who, first, he says, who do people say that I am? And they give him a couple of answers. A prophet, John the Baptist. And then he turns to them and he says, who do you say that I am? And it's, it's a question we've been exploring. Who is Jesus for us, our rock, our healer, our provider. Last week, we talked about Jesus, our sustainer. And tonight, we're talking about Jesus, our Lord. And our scripture comes from 1 Peter. This is a book that was written uh, to Christians in Asia Minor, uh, or modern-day Turkey, and they were being persecuted. They were facing hostility and harassment for their faith. And honestly, they had just come to the end of their rope. They were exhausted. They had all this pressure around them, questions and criticisms, and they didn't know what to do about it. They didn't know how to respond. And so Peter writes them this first letter both to encourage them, but also to instruct them. So let's look at our scripture and see what he tells them to do. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Hear the word of our Lord. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. Okay, the very first thing that Peter calls them to do in our scripture is claim Jesus as Lord. He says, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. I really like the way the message version translates this first verse. It says, through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Peter says, first and foremost, you've got to designate Jesus as master. Jesus has got to be your Lord. This title that we're talking about for for Jesus today, Lord, is a little different than the ones we've covered up to this point. Because this one requires the most from us. Healer, provider, sustainer, these are all things that Jesus does for us. He heals us, and he provides for us, and he sustains us. And we love it when Jesus does things for us. Think about it. We we call Jesus our our Lord and Savior. And we love the Savior part. The idea that Jesus saves us, that's awesome. But we don't have all that much to do with the Savior part. That's Jesus' work. That's what he does. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. We just accept it. But the Lord part is different. When we claim Jesus as Lord, as master, we are committing to taking action. When we claim Jesus as Lord, it comes with marching orders. Through thick and thin, there there are things we have to do. That's why Peter goes on in this letter to tell us two of the things that we've got to be ready to do when we choose Jesus as Lord. And so that's what I want us to look at. 
Once we've made that decision, once we have claimed Jesus and said, this is my Lord, then what? Well, the first thing Peter says is that we've got to be ready to share it. Peter says, sanctify Jesus, claim Jesus as Lord, and then be ready. Be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. See, for for these early Christians that Peter's writing to, following Jesus was kind of an odd thing to do. It wasn't the norm. And so understandably, people around them had questions. Some were just curious. Others were a lot more hostile. And so they are wondering, what are we supposed to do when we get all of these questions? What do we do when, when, when someone demands to know why we've decided to follow this strange rabbi from Nazareth? And Peter says, I'll tell you what to do. Share. Be ready to share with them. Be ready to tell them why you follow Jesus. Be ready to tell them about your Lord. Do it gently and reverently, yes, but do it. Share. See, calling Jesus Lord means we have a responsibility to obey the last instruction, the last command that he gives to the disciples. In in Matthew 28, we have the Great Commission. Jesus has risen, and, and he meets the disciples up on a mountain in Galilee. And before he ascends to the Father, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and spread the good news. Tell the world. Share it. Because beautiful things aren't meant to be kept to ourselves. They're meant to be shared. I love the story of of Fritz Kreisler, the world-famous violinist. He made a fortune off concerts and uh, the compositions that he wrote, but he was a very, very generous man, and so he gave away most of his money. Well, one day later in his life, he he was traveling, and he discovered this amazing violin. It was his dream instrument. But at the time, because of his exorbitant generosity, he couldn't afford it. And so he went away, and he he got the money, and he came back to the same shop, and he wanted to purchase that instrument. But when he got back and arrived, he was told that it had already been sold to a collector. Well, he decided to track this guy down, and he went to the home of the man who had purchased this violin, and he offered to buy it from him. He offered him even more money than he had paid But this collector said that it had become his prized possession. He refused to sell it. He said that he had plans to display it, to keep it in a a large glass case in the middle of his home so that anybody who visited could see it. And Fritz was disappointed by this, but before he left, he asked if he could play this instrument just one time before the collector put it in the case. And so sort of begrudgingly, this man agreed, and, and Fritz began to play this beautiful music. He played this incredible piece of of, uh, violin composition that he had created. And when he was done, the collector had tears in his eyes. And Fritz uh, looks back, and, and this is what he said he said to him that day. He said, the man said, I have no right to keep this to myself. It's yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let people hear it. I love that story. And I love what he says. I have no right to keep this to myself. 
Take it into the world. Let people hear it. Beautiful things are meant to be shared. Which is why the last thing that Jesus commands his disciples, including Simon Peter, to do was to go out and share the beautiful, powerful, good news of the gospel. See, once we've heard the music played, once we've experienced it, we can't keep it to ourselves. We have to share it. Look, if, you, if you've chosen to call Jesus Lord, there's probably a pretty good reason for it. At some point, you've heard the music. You've experienced something beautiful at some point. You've seen God at work. You've been touched by grace or mercy or love. And that's something that has to be shared. It can't be locked away in a glass case. It has to be given. We call Jesus Lord not out of fear, but out of awe and wonder because we heard it and now we want others to. And so we tell the world, we let people hear it. Look, for most all of us, there is going to come a time when people are going to ask us this same question that, that our whole series is based on. Somebody's going to ask us, who do you say that he is? It's the question that those scattered Christians were being asked all over Asia Minor. Is he a prophet? Is he a great teacher with some good points? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? And if we really believe that he is Lord, then we have got to be willing to say it. We've got to be willing to share it. That's the first thing that Peter says we need to be ready to do when we claim Jesus as Lord. We've got to be ready to share it. The second is that we've got to be ready to show it. Remember what we just read. Peter writes in our scripture, keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. Again, I, I also love the, the message translation of this verse. It says, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. That's good. Peter is essentially saying, be ready to put your money where your mouth is. If you're going to share it, if you're going to claim Jesus as Lord and tell the world about it, you've got to do your best to back it up. You've got to try and live it. Because if you don't, if you claim Jesus and then you're hateful and arrogant and inauthentic and ungenerous, people are going to notice that. And they're going to see that as a reflection of your Lord. And the problem is when that happens, when we claim something and then don't back it up, it can lead to people getting up and walking away. I made this mistake early on uh, in a different kind of way. When I was a freshman in college, there was this girl that I was super interested in, and I thought that it would be a smart move to invite her to my intramural softball game. There's nothing cooler than that. So uh, we had made it all the way to the championship, and we were playing the, the coaches from the school. They had a team. And I had been playing pretty well up to that point, and so in my head, I thought I would invite this girl to come uh, watch me play, and she would be super impressed by me. 
Although looking back, I laugh and kind of cringe because this was a liberal arts college intramural softball league. I was not playing D1 baseball, but anyway, uh, I told her all about our team. I told her we were one win away from winning this league and nothing else. We didn't get rings, you know. Uh, but I invited her, and she gave me one of those kind of like non-committal responses. She said something like, you know, I'll try to make it. And so anyway, fast forward to the game, and I'm playing shortstop, and I noticed about 10 minutes into the game that this girl that I invited is there with her friends, her huge group of friends. And I looked over, you know, and she, she kind of smiled and waved at me. And this was my moment, you know. Well, not long after that, our track coach got up to bat. And he was a huge guy. He was literally a former Olympian. Uh, he competed in like the long jump or something. Well, needless to say, this guy was an amazing athlete, super muscular, super fit. Well, he gets up to bat and our, our, our pitcher kind of tosses the ball across the plate and he crushes it. And this thing came off the bat, I swear, at 100 miles an hour. And it hit me in the stomach. <laughs> I just missed it. And it took my breath away. You know those moments where you just can't breathe and you're <gasps> And so I crumpled. <laughs> and I dropped to the ground and they stopped the game and my buddies ran over to me and were checking on me and it was this whole big scene. And they kind of helped me make my way to the dugout. That's the actual dugout. Um, well, I got to the dugout and I was sitting there and I was drinking water and I realized, oh, oh no. Like this girl must have witnessed that. And so very casually, I, I kind of looked over in the stands and she was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so much pity the last couple weeks. <laughs> I've got to stop telling stories. Uh, <laughs> this is just my life, I guess. Anyway, she was apparently unimpressed by my performance that day. Uh, and my point in telling y'all this story is that I didn't live up to the expectation that she had had or maybe the one that I had set for her. I didn't back it up, and so she bailed. And we never ended up going on that date. And you know what? That's probably a good thing. This was pretty low stakes. She clearly wasn't the one, but, but we don't want to make this mistake with our faith. We don't want to make the same mistake when it comes to Jesus. Because you know what? People are watching us. There are people in the stands. And when we claim that we're great at something like softball, or, or when we claim that Jesus is our Lord, that we follow him, and we wear a cross around our neck or a couple of God is big enough bracelets on our wrist. We better be ready to back it up, to show it, to catch the ball. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect because you know what? I think we all know this. We're not going to be perfect. And that's not even what Peter asks us to do in our scripture. He doesn't say, go and be perfect, do nothing wrong, never sin, never slip. What does he say? He says, keep your conscience clear. Which means we do our best to pursue holiness, to be the people that, that Jesus is calling us to be. But when we inevitably fail, when we fall short, we admit it. We keep our conscience clear. We own up to it. That's what it is to keep your conscience clear. It's not about perfection. 
It's about being real and trying to grow. When people see us doing that, when people see us doing our best to show it, they'll want to be a part of it. They'll want to know what, what calling Jesus Lord could mean for their life. And we know it can mean everything. When we claim Jesus is Lord, when we make an intentional effort to live it and show it, we grow. That's what sanctification is. It's a fancy word that means growth. We become more like our Lord, kinder and gentler and more open and more in tune with the needs of those around us. We become better. One of my favorite images of this, uh, of what happens when we claim Jesus is Lord, comes from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Uh, Mere Christianity is truly one of the great masterpieces of the Christian faith. Uh, Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm doing a reread of it right now, so you'll probably get other quotes from it. Just be prepared. Uh, But in the book, C.S. Lewis shares this image that I want to share with y'all. He's talking about the same idea. What happens when we declare Christ as Lord, when we get behind and decide to, to follow Jesus? What happens when we try and live it out to the best of our ability? And what he says is it can go so much further than we ever initially intend. This is what Lewis writes. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, and it doesn't seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house than the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. When we allow Jesus in, when we call him Lord and then begin to live it by by sharing it and showing it, we become better. We grow in ways and in places that we never knew we could. See, Jesus' lordship is unlike any lordship that this world has ever known because it's about love. Jesus loves you so much that he wants to build a palace within you. He wants you to be everything that you can be. So when we allow him in, when we allow the Lord not just to fix the drains, but to start putting in new floors and building courtyards, people are going to see it. They're going to notice it. And it'll be just as Peter says in our scripture, people will demand an account of the hope that is in you. They'll want to know who you follow and why. Who you say he is. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to do our best to share it and to show it. We just have to do our best to point people to our rock, our healer, our provider, our sustainer, our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me?
Lord, we admit that there are a lot of things in our life that we make lords out of. A lot of things we have a tendency to put above you. God, tonight, help us, help us to identify those things. Help us to put you first. God, we want to unlock the door. We want, we want you to, to fix not just the drains and the roof, but to do whatever you'd like to build us into the people you are calling us to be. So help us to not wrestle. Help us to just be open and honest and ready. Ready to share it and ready to show it. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.